I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Hello, hello. Spooky things galore. Flashes of spooks. (laughs) Because tis the season, guys. We are past... The 4th of July chaos, and all I've been seeing on my Instagram, social medias in general, is everyone getting ready for the spooky spooks. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. big time. All the mm-hmm. stores coming in with the things, Bath and, mm-hmm. or, yeah, Bath and Body Works with their little spooky candles. Can't wait. Mm. All the good yep. things. I see Yum. all the, like, <laughs> spirit Halloween starting to open and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Spirit Halloween has become such a big thing where it's like they're announcing like what animatronics will be in the store, exactly what Funko Pops they'll be having this year, mm-hmm. like you know like what the locations will be. You know the first one reopened. It's like I, I didn't I didn't I mean I guess like the internet has made it such a big like you know a big thing a big thing even you know. And more people being on the negative side of it, but anytime a big major thing closes or a, a building closes and then you get the memes of them putting a spirit Halloween yeah, <laughs> like yeah. on top yeah. of it, yeah, <laughs> which I am obsessed with. But yes, I also saw a TikTok of them showing kind of their animatronics that are coming out. And it just makes me so jealous for like people like you guys who have houses and can decorate them because that's all this is literally the only reason I want a house. I will go broke in this economy, <laughs> this housing market just to have a 16 foot skeleton in the front of my house. Yeah. I will be that house. Um, growing up, did your parents decorate the house for Halloween? Like was Halloween big in your house growing up? You know, because I grew up in in church, it it wasn't as big, but I am grateful that my parents at least let me trick or treat when I was a little kid. And but I they never really decorated for Halloween, which I think is why I want to decorate so much (laughs) for Halloween. Same with Christmas, too. I was Mm. like, you guys, we got to put some a light or something outside. We got this big yard. I want all the things. Mm -hmm. But did you all have a lot of decorations growing up? Not not particularly. I, th- yeah. I feel like my mom had more of like cutesy stuff, but it mm. wasn't really like I want like I want the fo- I want that 40. F- I don't think it's 40 feet. What is it? 10 feet? I don't know. 20 mm-hmm. feet. I want that big Home Depot skeleton. Yeah, it's 16 I feet. Hang 16. Out. 16. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. That's, because I want that. <laughs> one of the one of our. Um, crew members in Hamilton bought that skeleton and put it inside the theater backstage with like LED lights that were were on it so it was looking around too and it was the greatest <laughs> thing amazing. ever give it to me truly what about you Brian my, did you have a lot of decorations 
Yeah, in elementary school, we used to put graves in the front yard, and like nice. we had a Bates Motel sign in the window. Um, nice. That was my first parlor. Um, no, we put a <laughs> we put a Bates Motel sign in the window. We had like ghosts and like you know the, you remember the old paper ones that had like fasteners in all of the joints that you could like position oh, yes uh-huh. like yeah, on the like door and around. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's some all, good uh, good skeletal acting. Thank you. For all of you watching on YouTube, hi, YouTube. Hey. Hi, YouTube. Um, Skeleton. We're on YouTube, so you can see all my skeleton moves. um, Dem bones. Um, Dem bones. But, yeah, and then we would, you know, it was, we we would trick-or-treat house to house, um, all that stuff. But then I would say in middle school, um, we we stopped, like, decorating the house as much. Um, Mm. And then in high school, we didn't decorate the house. But, like, when we were younger, yeah. We were really uh, very much into it. I, I was kind of yeah. bummed when, like, we stopped trick-or-treating. But, like, mm. but like at the time, like, yeah, it just it is what it is. And now I, I, now I, I still want to go trick-or-treating. But it would well, pro- probably absolutely. be inappropriate. Maybe a little bit. Honestly, you know what? I'm not huge on kids. But the only time I think of having <laughs> kids is just so that I can take them trick-or-treating. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's that's literally all I want a kid for. So maybe just you like. You could probably volunteer for something like I literally was thinking night. that. Like borrow yeah. a child for. <laughs> just yeah, that's got to be an app that like has, should has not exist. Yeah. <laughs> that that like. If you like need a babysitter has, for a trick-or-treating, like, I will take your oh, kids. Yeah, trick, yeah. I'll take your kids oh, trick-or-treating. I used to babysit on Halloween a lot, actually, in high school. And you survived? The parents, well, the parents would go to, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent point. I didn't watch Slashers, remember? That's only recent. I didn't know what uh, I was getting myself into. Got it. Um, but I used to babysit on Halloween for our neighbors because they would all go to, like, the parents' um, Halloween party. Mm. Um, so I would babysit mm. and like, I, I would do all of the trick or treating with the kids. Um, and, uh, and then I would, um, and I would have, I would give the candy out, um, when we got back and stuff like that. Um, nice. wait, no, I didn't trick or treat with the kids. I came, the parents took them earlier and then I would oh. come and babysit, but I would hand out the candy with the kids and they were still dressed up and stuff like that. It was fun. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, sit and enjoy the night. Watch some more little spooky Halloween-themed episodes of stuff. Oh, it's my definitely. kind of time. And we're almost there. Super excited. Well, we're not quite in Halloween yet, but of course we're still talking about spooky spook stuff. So today we are talking about the 2012 supernatural horror film Sinister. Do you want to know what I think? Yes. I think that you moved yourself into the house of murder victims and immediately set about trying to put yourself in their headspace. And I also think that you've begun discovering things about this case that go to darker places than you were prepared for. I also think that every time that I've been to your house, there's a whiskey bottle in your office that doesn't appear to be the slate that's been neglected. Mr. Oswald, Mr. Oswald, listen, I don't, I'm not saying that you have a drinking problem. I don't think that. Nor do I think that you're making any of this up no. to get attention. I don't think that. What I do think is that that you are under so much stress, you put yourself under so much stress that your mind is trying to process all of it at once. So you don't believe in any of that otherworldly stuff, right? Are you kidding me? I believe in all that stuff. Bagul! Bagul! Don't get, <laughs> don't get bagooled. Don't get bagooled. Jamie and I now say don't get bagooled. 
Ah, uh, that's genius. That's absolutely genius. Don't get yeah. begooled. Or like bagabagool. <laughs> oh my god. Right. The babagool. The babagool. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, they should. They should join forces. Yeah, like in Mr. Tony. Robert Duke and Mr. Ghoul. Yeah, with Tony Soprano. <laughs> That is a crossover event I would I would watch. Absolutely. Who can we talk to? We gotta make this stuff happen. We need a list <laughs> to keep. <laughs> Amazing. So Sinister was directed by a one Scott Derrickson and written by C. Robert Cargill. And Derrickson, excuse me, while I choke on my own spit, like a five-year-old. It stars You're getting don't get begooled. I'm getting yeah, begooled. don't get begooled. <laughs> I watched the images. We're all cursed. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so this stars a one Ethan Hawke, which I did not realize. So I was very surprised when uh, he popped up on my screen. Well, Scott Derrickson also directed The Black Phone. Oh, I was like, this name sounds familiar. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. And Got the it. Doctor, the first Doctor Strange movie. And oh. Exorcism of Emily Rose. Mm. Which I loved. I've never mm-hmm. seen it. Oh, it we have to great. do that for the podcast. We got it scares the, the poop. It scared the poop out of me when I saw it. We'll do that. We also got a request for Mama with Jessica Chastain, which no, I've never seen. Oh, that's right. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? No. Oh, I haven't either, but Jamie has. Oh, I've seen it many times. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, anyway. we got to remember these. We got, yeah. we got I wrote them down. I wrote them down. Someone oh, write them down. I did. Oh, producer I, I, Brian. I did. I did. It's on the air table. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Ethan Hawke's not the only person in this. So it's uh, Juliet. <laughs> Juliet Raylance, uh, Fred Thompson, James Ranson, Claire Foley, and Michael Hall. Uh, I want, this is an Italian name, so I'm trying to do it justice, but uh, Da... Da Dario or Dia Diario? Wow, I'm trying. I Is can't. it Dia Dario? Dia Dario? Okay, not Dia Dario. Am I being too fancy? I I like the way that you say. It. I like okay. the fanciness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, let's go with uh, Dia Dario with a nice rolled Adario. R in it. Dario. Also, uh, Kingpin. Kingpin. Um, Vincent Offer. Oh yeah. Why isn't he listed in this? Because he's like room? a cameo. He's like only via Skype. Mm. Oh, oh, he's oh, uncre- okay. he's uncredited on this. That's wild. Dang. <laughs> what? Why? So many lines. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that either. Maybe that's why people don't strike uncredited things. What are y'all doing? Mm. Uh, great. So <laughs> heavy spoilers for everything that is sinister and trigger warnings, Jamie. Can you give those to us, please? Yes. This this contains what is like a series of snuff films. Um, so if you it, it's not real to, to preface that. Yes. But like that's the vibe. That's the vibe of the movie. So it's like these short snippets of like very disturbing things on film. Um, so it's a lot of insides on the outside or blood and gore. What is this rated? 13? Uh, I'm assuming it's Blumhouse. So I would have guessed that it's, it's, 13? um, yeah, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll wanna... check for you. I always meant to, I always meant oh, to Oh no, check, it says it's rated know. R on the Google. Oh. Yeah. Cause I was, yeah, I was thinking R. about Never it mind. I because they back. show a lot. They, sh- I, I wonder if it's like the level of gore and because it's like children are the ones who are like a lot of the mm. children mm. are facilitating, but also are being killed. 
mm-hmm. in these videos. It made um, it made a lot of money for an R movie. It cost three million probably before the marketing budget, um, mm-hmm. and it made eighty seven point seven million dollars. That's like. I mean, that's that's, that's Blumhouse. That's that Blumhouse. literally is Blumhouse. Yeah, yeah they're the they're excellent. He's very good at turning a small budget into a big box office hit. So that's that's his bread and butter. Yeah. Um, I was just yeah, I was curious because I wasn't actually sure, only because like there's children involved in this, and I feel like that kind of mm-hmm. bumps it up to the R rating. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, some of the the various murders include drowning, uh, throat slitting, being chopped up by an axe, uh, uh, fire, car fires, car on fire, um, and a hanging. Mm -hmm. I think, I think those are all of them. Um, so again, all the days of Christmas (laughs) (laughs) on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a snuff film of a murder. Um, so yeah, so that's the, those are the con, that's the contents of the videos. But on top of that, we also have like a cult. If I ever watch this again, the final jump scare, when he like pops his head in, I'm (laughs) only going to hear Nikisha's voice go, Bagul! Fantastic. <laughs> Bagul. More bagooling. Um, More but yes, there's like oh. some, they talk about the murders related as like a cult, like satanic kind of thing, uh, which the, the Satan is Bagul. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know. It's like this <laughs> obscure thing. Um, the the either of children. Yeah. Um, so there's references beauty. to, yeah, references to eating children. Also, again, all of the, all of the uh, murders you find out later are facilitated by children. So another trigger warning is children murdering um, adults and children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's a snake. There's a Rottweiler. And is there? Am I missing any other uh, like imagery? being a bad husband and father? I mean, yes. <laughs> Um, yes. There's cops in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I think that's I think it. That's it. There's yeah. also some drawings of the murders as well. Spooky so, drawings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spooky dooky drawings. Children in boxes. I think that's everything. <laughs> how does he get out? Like, how does it get? I'm out not flexible backwards. enough. Yeah. I. Yeah. The yoga of it all, I, I don't really know. Flexibility, no don't have it, but good, kudos <laughs> to him. He never missed a class. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so before uh, we get into all that, well, producer Brian, give us some words, and then we'll chat about some things we saw this week. Yeah, so as I mentioned, hi, everybody. We're on YouTube, waving to you. You can rewind and watch me do the robo- the skeleton again. Um, but um, you can follow us on all social media, at TalkHorrorPod. Um, we're on Instagram. We are on Twitter or X or whatever it's being called now. Um, <laughs> we're on Threads. We're also, of course, on TikTok. Definitely follow us on Instagram or TikTok. Um, we're doing a lot of fun stuff there, so... We're almost at 16k. Very exciting. Thank you all for your following and and being big, being uh, listeners and followers. We really appreciate you a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find us. 
Wonderful. Well, you guys took a little spooky trip uh, last week. Y'all want to talk about what happened? Where'd you go? Things you saw? I know some of it is on the TikTok, so make sure y'all follow that. But what happened? Jamie? Oh, I'll, I'll give you. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, Silence. We, we took a trip to Maine. Um, we love Maine. Um, we talked, a, you know, it was summer, so we were more like, on you know on the lake on a boat and like eating lobster and stuff like that however we did you know main spooky obviously stephen king stuff we talked a lot about mr king while we were up there um and what our favorite movies are what our favorite stories are of his um and then we also uh we did a lighthouse tour a self-guided lighthouse tour which Mm -hmm. was really fun and you know it's it's very old up there. Like it's the old you know you know it's literally called Portland, like a land of ports. Like it's super super old, and you have all the nautical fishermen stuff. Like every building is old and historic up there. Like it's one hundred. Everything is one hundred percent haunted. And like even though like we didn't do any ghost tours or anything like that, like you just get a sense of everything being haunted. I went on some hikes with the puppy and. Um, oh. And like you know, was in the woods. It's like it's the woods are scarier in Maine. I'll tell you that. But but also the air was wonderful. But um, yeah, we had a great time. Oh, you know what I mentioned? I I read a spooky book. You read a spooky Ooh. book? Yeah, I read Max Brooks's um, De-Evolution. Um, mm. Max Brooks also wrote World War Z. Um, oh, nice. Which is awesome. But I had a great time reading the book. I bought it two years ago and didn't read it and finally read it. Um, it's about a fake. It, basically, it's a it's a firsthand account of a fake Bigfoot um, massacre. Um, oh. So like Mount Rainier um, explodes and it makes the um, it makes all the Bigfoot kind of which people didn't know existed like start to attack this like little um, uh, community that has been off the grid. And it's told from the perspective of somebody afterwards finding all this out. They found the journal of this woman who was keeping notes of everything that was happening and then him interviewing people around the massacre and stuff like that. So it cuts back and forth between this woman's journal and then this guy's interviews with people like who knew them and whatnot. It's really, really good. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Okay. How did you find out about the book? Um, I, Max Brooks, I really like. He, um, he wrote World War Z, and I loved World War Z. And then I got, I, I saw that he was releasing a new book in like 2021, ah. and so I bought it. Um, he's also Mel Brooks's son. What? Hmm. Yeah. I don't think I realized that. No. Um, but uh, yeah, so I read a book. Love it. I wish I was more of a book reader because sometimes I'll um, pass book talk. And but it's always the the spooky books, so just mm-hmm. horror movie themed. And so I think, oh, that would looks probably great to read. But maybe I'll have to try this one. It's very good. Uh, and and if anyone listening has any suggestions, not Stephen King, but any other spooky books that are short, pack a punch. Um, mm-hmm. uh, please let me know. Um, I'm looking for some other stuff to read. I've gotten some really good ones on TikTok, so I appreciate that. Amazing. Well, okay, I have to tell this story live on here i already told you guys (laughs) via uh text but i i just need to because this is going off of i think it was our last episode that we Mm -hmm, recorded mm -hmm. right yeah okay so last time 
Brian was talking about how he watched this movie called Frozen. And not to be confused with the animated Frozen, it's just people get stuck on a ski lift, I believe, right? Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. they're just fighting for their lives. Okay. And he said it's just one of those movies where it's you don't have to think about it, but if you're into that kind of just little wacky horror movie, then, you know, it's... Or people making stupid decisions, I think is what you said. It's like, this yeah, is mm-hmm. the thing for you. And so I was like, okay, I have to tell my father this because he loves going on websites like Tubi and watching these <laughs> kinds of movies where people are making very, very dumb decisions in sure. horror movies. So I told my dad, I talked to him a couple of days later, and he said... Oh, I was looking up that Frozen movie, and so he has, what, Amazon Fire, a fire stick, and where they, you know, illegally do this stuff, uh, put huh? movies on there. Huh? <laughs> but he he clicked on f- the movie Frozen, and I was like, Dad, make sure that you don't get it confused with the animated one, because there is an animated one of the same name, but this is about people in a ski lift. He says, all right, Nikisha, I looked it up, and I saw the description, and it said, yay, people are stuck in a ski lift in the snow, and blah, blah, blah. So he's like, I clicked on it, and after a couple minutes, I thought, why would Nikisha tell me to watch this? This is animated, and there's people are singing. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, the first 15 minutes, I was like, why would Nikisha have me watch this? And so then I was like, well, Dad, yeah, I told you. It's the animated one. And he was like, yeah, no, I know. I know they must have, they must have put the wrong, uploaded the wrong movie because the description was the right one, but when you click on it, it's the animated movie. And he said, well, anyway, I watched the whole thing, and I loved it. I'm going to watch Frozen 2. <laughs> So, Brian, you have now introduced my father to Animated Frozen. And to even emphasize this more, my father, as if you've listened to this podcast, you know, he was a police officer his entire life. Very stern man, very heavy, (laughs) masculine energy. But he said that he loved Frozen, and now he's going to watch Frozen 2. So I'll keep you updated when he watches Frozen 2. But he still has to watch... Like other Frozen. The other, yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He was trying to find it. He legitimately was trying to find it and thought he found it, but mm. he found something better. Adina Mazel <laughs> singing <Yeah>. Let It Go. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, so let's get into Sinister because that's what we're all here for. We need a two-minute plot summary. Who's got it? What's the plot? <laughs> This is your first time seeing it, right, Nikisha? Yes. Then you do it. Okay. Ooh, this is going to be <laughs> an interesting time. Yeah, don't get gobbled. Bagabagold. Babagool. All right. Two minutes on the clock for the plot go. It opens up with a family being hung, unfortunately, and it's via through this videotape. Then we cut to this house. This family is moving into it. Ethan Hawke and his family, he is a true crime writer. He's written a couple books. His first one was successful. His last two were not. This is his fourth attempt at writing this story so that he can get back on top and be famous again. And so the house they move into is the house that we see at the beginning where the people are being hung. So 
He is trying to write his book. He is unpacking some stuff in an attic. He finds some tapes. And so he plays these tapes and finds out that it's videos of not only the murder that happened with people being hung, but all of these other murders with these families. And so now he's thinking, oh, I got something even bigger than what I thought that I had. Let me dig in deeper to this. So then he enlists the help of deputy so-and-so to try to figure out these murders and what is happening. And so in the midst, the, the deeper he goes into finding out what's happening, spooky stuff starts happening inside the house. He's seeing some things. His kids are seeing some things. His son is having night terrors. His wife is like, we have to get out of this house. This is crazy. He's like, no, I'm onto something. But eventually he gets so spooked himself that he says, we have to leave. I'm going to burn these tapes. He burns them. They move back into their old house. But no, the thing is still up and around. And so apparently he finds out that anyone who has watched the these tapes, their kids become possessed and kills the family. Also, I forgot to mention that in all these murders, a child is missing. But the child that is missing is the one that actually committed the murders and is captured by this pagan deity called Bagul. And so the end is not a happy one. The daughter is possessed and kills chops up the family with an axe and Bagul is still alive and capturing kids and possessing them and will just move on to the next family and that is sinister. That was great. That was a really good recap. <laughs> Off the dome, baby. That was yes. really good. <laughs> Yay. That's the plot. Sometimes I have to prepare. I did not prepare for this one. <laughs> no, that you was really, great. really that good. That was great. I thought that was excellent. Um, great. And they're also, I don't know if this matters, but they're Super 8 footage and not mm. like tapes. Yes. Super um, 8 footage, yes. Which they actually did. They filmed those on Super 8? Yeah. That's cool. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That just was, the fact that, that um, and we'll get into this when we talk about it, but just the fact that when he first discovers the Super 8s and then immediately just knows how to put everything together and, like, set up the whole thing, I was like, And wow. digitize yeah. them. Right. Like, I was like, yeah, mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not me. <laughs> no, not at all. It would be so many Google searches, and I still would probably have messed something up, <laughs> smudged something. Great. So let's get into our first segment of likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. Jamie, would you like to start and also tell us your relationship with this movie if you've seen it before? Sure. Um, I saw this in theaters. Um, I was in grad school. When this movie came out and I saw it in theaters and it, my chest hurt really bad because I was really spooked. Um, it was oh, very, no. very scary oh. to me at the time. Uh, even though this was like post-college, so in theory I was less afraid of things, but I, I didn't know what to expect. So I found it very scary the first time I watched it. And I, I mean, I still think it's scary, but I think like obviously I know when the jump scares are happening now. Yeah, so like mm-hmm. the impact of the jump scares are less so. However, there's still definitely some scenes that get me. Um, shout out to the lawnmower scene. Um, that always gets me. I That's, literally, when yeah. I watch that part of the movie, I have to plug my ears because the shift from no sound to sound is so jarring yes. that I just like, I find that very overstimulating. So I, I was like watching it with my ears plugged in. Um, but, uh, that being said, I, I like this movie. 
Um, there are some parts that I think are less good, but I guess that's why we have a likes and gripes, uh, segment. So exactly. um, (laughs) There we go. Um, my first note that I made of this movie is in all caps. And I showed it to Brian, uh, bad husband, bad husband, husband. I'm sure we can, we can dig, dig deep, 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 deep into Mm -hmm. this, but, uh, he sucks. Um, yeah. yeah, he just sucks. He sucks. Um, something that I like but also makes me deeply uncomfortable, kind of related to the lawnmower scene, is like the music from the Super 8 videos is so creepy. I It's like I can't tell if it's someone that's like making weird rhythmic sounds with their mouths or like mm-hmm. what is happening how they how they like do the sound the audio for those parts, but I hate them. I hate mm. every time that they show us the super eights. It's so eerie and deeply unsettling. Obviously, yes. we're also like we're you're so uncomfortable because you feel like you're watching this like snuff yeah. film thing. But like, yeah, the audio and I hate it. And each one of those videos to me felt like its own little haunted house, yes. which I really mm. liked. Um, whether mm-hmm. it's a different room in the haunted house or, or like, I don't know, like a 70s, 60s, 80s, whatever. The, I forget the years that they all happened. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I really like that aspect of it, too, Jamie. Yeah. Um, my next note is, boy emerging from box. How? I'm <laughs> 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 always just like, how? Did they? F- I always wonder, like, did they film it backwards? Because, like, how is his body coming out that way? I don't know. And, like, it's just a box. It's. I mean, like, unless they, like... What's in you the know, box? Cre- I mean, it, a little boy. Oh. Um, <laughs> not that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that... I mean, that scene's always weird. Um, so, yeah. So, bad husband. Why is he a bad husband? Uh, I wrote mm-hmm. down one of his quotes where he said... It was bound to happen. And I think that's in response to the first time that his son is having a night terror in the house and he's Mm. talking to his wife about Mm -hmm. it. Um, But like, it's just like a comment like that where it's just a complete disregard for like the situation, even though they know it's a night terror. Like this is also like a big life transition for everyone, including the kids. Um, you know, they have to like start over. They're leaving behind all of their friends and like their routines sure. and things that they're used to. Yep. And like stress is definitely something that impacts sleep in a variety of ways, including night terrors. So like just to kind of say that feels so flippant and like just disregarding and like not caring essentially. So Absolutely. like not only is he a bad husband, but like in that moment, he just seems like a really disconnected father. Mm-hmm. Um He's so self-absorbed. Like, everything everything is all about him. And, like, it's clear that there's this dynamic of, like, his partner is supporting his dream of wanting to, you know, write another book and, like, how all of that leads to them having to move. But, like, he's just so... He's just not thinking about anybody else. Literally anybody else. He starts off this movie by lying to his wife about where they're living because, you know, the semantics of it, which yep. is so fucked up. Yep. And then, and then like, he doesn't care that, like, the cops don't like him. He doesn't care that, like, his kids are eventually going to find out about, uh, you know, the, the content of what he's writing about. Like, he just doesn't care about 
the 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 thing that he's seeking destroying everybody around him because mm-hmm. it's not just about the justice of it all when later on they get into like that clip that they play of him previously being on TV and I wrote down like why are you doing it he said quote fame and money pause no just kidding and it's like no that's the real answer no that's the like, real answer he's yeah truly only doing this for the fame he's picking these like big, juicy, glory-seeking, true crime stories, real people, and then exploiting them for fame and money. Like, that's what he's about. But he's, like, lying to himself so hard in order to lie to everybody around him to justify doing this because it's like, oh, this is definitely going to, you know, I'm doing this in service of my family I care so deeply for. But, like, you don't in 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 the in the day to day in the moments where it really matters. You don't care about your family. Right. You still only care about the fame and the money. Um, do so, you th- do you think that? I, I I don't know the answer to this. That's why I'm proposing it. But the Ellison character, the Ethan Hawke character. Do you think that he's actually being presented as a non-likable main character? Like, do they think they wanted you to empathize with him at all? Mm. Like, like does because Ethan Hawke is so likable and such an excellent actor, do you feel like mm. that makes up for it? And 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 that's a part of his what he was has to do. He's a flawed mm. individual who leads his family into death because of his own ego, but like do we like him enough to like to be engaged in the plot, if that makes sense? I mean, you're engaged in the plot because, <clears throat> like, I think part of it is they drop the original, like, true crime story first. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you're engaged in the plot because there's a mystery there. Mm. It's like, what happened to That's the fair. daughter? Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's like trying to solve it. But then around that, you find out that he's a complete piece of shit. So mm. it's like the one person who in theory is like trying to figure out what happened is also deeply unlikable. Mm-hmm. But like he's the only person seemingly in this moment that we know of that's like following the story and getting more information. I feel like that's part of what makes it compelling. But I do not think that it's because he is compelling or likable. I think that he is intentionally dislikable which also then justifies the end like separately I know I've talked about this before but I I can't I know the value of a horror movie where it doesn't have a happy ending like mm-hmm. as, as a movie like I, I think that there are really good movies I don't like those movies personally as much because I I look to movies as an escape and I don't need reality to be hitting me in the face sure. in my Absolutely. escapism So I prefer my movies to have happy endings. That being said, I don't feel as badly about this ending because he's unlikable. And I feel like that's intentional Mm -hmm. because there are other movies where and and I feel like that also adds to the rewatchability of this movie. And it kind of gaining this like cult like this cult status because because there's more like of an ability to buy into it because he sucks. And you're like, yeah, fuck that guy. Like he deserves this. He, he got himself into this mess because Mm -hmm. he sucks. And, and like, this is what happens to you. And like, yeah, he, you know, like doomed to him. Like that's, that's what you get. And I feel like that's like, you only get that if, if, if there's like something compelling you to like be like, yeah, that he, yeah, he deserved this. 
Um, whereas like if there's somebody that you feel like is, is, is undeserving of it, I mean, the rest of his family is undeserving of it, but like he, he's the one that we're following. Um, so I feel like that's, that makes it like more digestible Mm -hmm. as opposed to like characters that you like really love and you don't want bad things to happen to. Yeah. It's like, there's the justice coming in. It's him Mm -hmm. at the end, at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's just um, unfortunate that he dragged his family down with him. Right. Yeah. But I will but, say, uh, uh, sorry, Brian, to your point about just Ethan Hawke as an actor. I he As a person, he is charming. So in just watching it, even though he's he makes terrible decision, except for when he finally is like, let's get out of the house. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm, I was like, finally, yes, a good decision is being made. But even when we first start out in the movie, I think it's just because it's him as a person. I will like always enjoy him. Yeah. But by the time he's like ignoring that his kids are actually having night terrors or acting out in, in ways. And then you're like, okay, well you're just being terrible and not thinking about your family. Like you are absolutely thinking about yourself, but just to go back and say for Brian's point of like him being an actor, I definitely was like, Oh, Ethan Hawke. Like I said, I didn't know he was in this movie. (laughs) So (laughs) he comes out and I'm like, Oh, this is great. He's going to solve a murder. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun time, fun ride. And it's like, okay, also, this was a ride. <laughs> I also want to add. <laughs> he did solve the murder, though. He did. Well, yeah. He figured it out with the help of um, It the Cop. Um, uh, or It Chapter 2. Um, yes. So, um, so uh, something that I also want to point out that we haven't talked about yet, um, and I think it's just very interesting, is that uh, they did a study um, back in. They first did this study back in 2020 what is the scariest horror movie mm. by average heart rate so they mm-hmm. took the heart rates of people watching what are considered to be the scariest movie and sinister one mm-hmm. in wow. terms of like the heart rate maybe it's the amount of jump scares or whatever it is um it has since been dethroned they did this again like last year or two years ago they've done it i think every year ever since oh, uh, oh last perfect. i checked um, it was dethroned by host. Oh, I think it. Uh, I can't remember if that's still true. Um, but yes, I I remember that they also do it by like average heart rate and then also peak heart rate. So like, what was the highest that like the heart rate went up to, and then on average, what was it? Yeah, like, over uh-huh. the course of the movie. Um, but both. I mean, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it's right now this this the article I'm looking at was dated um um August 17th of 2022. Mm, and okay. the top ones are number 1 is Host, number 2 is Sinister, and then I'll just read down from here. Insidious, The Conjuring, Hereditary, Terrified, It Follows, A Quiet Place Part 2, Paranormal Activity and The Conjuring 2. Quiet Place Part 2. Interesting. Yeah. Um, although yeah. Ins- d- d- Insidious had the biggest spike, and I'm mm. assuming it's from that one jump scare. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Uh, that had the highest spike in general, but I thought that interesting. was interesting. Anyway, I just, <clears throat> I, I just think that's interesting context around, like, this movie's cult status and things like yeah. that. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I and I'll also just add really quickly to the jump scare aspect of it, because there are a lot of jump scares, but in one of my notes, truly it seems like 
the music adds even more to the scare mm-hmm. than the scare itself. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was literally just the fact that it's so quiet a lot. And then there's like a huge bang out of nowhere, whether it is the ghost like or Bagul coming out, you know, at the end or when yeah. he's in the Bagool. attic, you know, and he falls. Bagool. Off of the, yes. <laughs> he got Bagul'd. Uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, I think that. When when you have a good kind of like soundtrack to it too, then it just adds another level of like the scare as far as um, just having like the image coming about, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sorry, keep going with your license and, and gripes, Jamie. What else? Um, oh, I one gripe is like when he's looking through all of these videos and he like is zooming stuff on his Mac. I'm like, that's not how zooming works. That's like watching a CSI and being like. Type, 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 enhance, type, 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 yes, enhance. Yes, uh-huh. like, that is not how any of this works. That's very silly. So yes. On my likes and gripes, I also have in all caps enhance only because <laughs> Jamie says it during the movie. Like any time that somebody like Obsessed. is like zooming in on something that you can't really do, she's like enhance, enhance. <laughs> yeah. And it's very funny. <laughs> because it's it. silly and that's not a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, Enhanced. It's like, um, uh, like a minority just, report. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. whatever. Um, another thing that kind of annoys me, but like, I, I guess I can't really tell if like he is just primed to all of the scary things that are happening. But like, how does nobody else in this house ever hear any any sounds? That's what I said. There's like a thousand like. Yes. He fell out of the happening. attic. Yeah, he fell. Like, I don't understand. Oh, wow. My whole camera went like, was confused that I was banging on stuff. Um, I just like don't understand that this person makes the loudest crash bang sounds and hears the loudest crash bang sounds and nobody's, no one's blinking an eye. No one. How? Are they all wearing like headphones or like noise canceling? Yeah. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, so that seems silly. Um, also, when he first discovers the uh, the top of the box that has the kids' drawings of each of the murders, mm-hmm. there's a Mr. Boogie drawn into each of the murders, like of the perspective of somebody else outside of the family who is watching all of them that says Mr. Boogie. And he like doesn't he he acknowledges it in the later scene, but like they make a point to like look through all of the pictures and he just like mm-hmm. doesn't think anything about it, which I find super weird because like what the fuck is a Mr. Boogie? Like that would be my first question of like yeah. okay, I get it. These are all the murders. So like what is that? Like I don't know. I just wish he like called attention to it. Sure. His um, full name is Boogerford. Mr. Bookerford. Um, so something that I am not really crazy about on like extra watches, and maybe mm-hmm. this is partially because I was like influenced by podcasts that I was listening to more recently, but I don't find the little like haunted children as scary as maybe I did like on the first watch. Um, and okay. I know some of it is like they're they're part of the jump scares, but I feel like they just look kind of silly um, mm-hmm. with like their makeup and like their weird like pseudo doll plasticky faces and yeah. like dark under eyes. And when they and I feel like that him. kind of yeah, when they're like, shh. Um, I feel like 
there's, I don't know, there's something about it that like doesn't feel as scary or like it feels similar to the like insidious uh, purgatory yes. like scenes where mm-hmm. like he's in the further and it's like the people who are just like sitting there and then they're just like, then they all get shot and then, yes. and then they do the creepy mm-hmm. smile. Like that's kind of what it feels like. But that in insidious also felt silly. So I feel like that's par- partially why it's like, this feels a little like James Wanian, but like it, it feels like more on the silly side versus the spooky side. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's, I don't know. I think that's after like a few times where I was like, these jump scares don't feel as effective as some of the other ones. Yeah. yeah. I think like in the super eights or, um, yeah. If I can jump in there for just a second, my, yep. Ooh, splash. Um, <laughs> My this was only my second time watching this movie. And I will say my hot take about Sinister is that I don't think it has as much of a rewatch value when it comes to the narrative as it Mm. does to the jump scares. Because once you know the mystery, the movie is not as interesting because then you're just kind of put off by how awful Ellison is and you already know the ending. And I also agree um, with Jamie that like, the little kids at the end don't get me as much. Um, but the jump scares, especially in the Super 8s, are still wildly effective. And um, I think this is a way better experience on first viewing than, than, than subsequent viewings. And that was a hot take. But I still I like it. That. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. Like, I still like this movie a lot. Like, this is like three, three and a half stars out of five for me. Like, this is like yeah. an excellent movie. I'm just I'm just putting an asterisk next to that where, like, once you know the mystery, it definitely is not as engaging multiple mm-hmm. viewings. Mm-hmm. You can still that. like stuff and be critical of it. That's true. That's why we're like here. when I look in the mirror. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> that went left You got to talk to your own therapist about <laughs> that. <Yes. laughs> Um, my only other thing that I think I do like is that like, uh, Ethan Hawke's character underestimates the deputy cause he kind of comes across a little bit bumbling, fumbling in the beginning, yes. like a little doofy, little Barney um, Fifey. And, and then later on it's like, oh, he's, he's actually smarter than you think. And I like the way that they play that. Um, especially because Ethan Hawke's character is becoming more like disconnected from reality and like terrified, um, so like those conversations, I feel like really grow on me. Yeah. And that's that. Fantastic. Um, I'll go cause you said a lot of the things that I've already had. So I'll just, um, piggyback off of it and to say again that this is my first time watching it. And yeah, so I'm really interesting. Interested. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Brian, I I'm think re- I asked, I'm, I'm really, inter- I'm really interesting. <laughs> I'm really, <laughs> I'm really interested. I meant to say, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So, when Brian was talking about a second watch, I absolutely agree with that. Even only have watched it once because my last thing that I put that this movie was a very slow burn, but good. So like once you've, and, and even in the midst of it, I was engaged because I had so many questions as to what exactly was happening because I was trying to figure out what the rule was with this mm. Bagul character, with the killings, with how the tapes were moving from house to house and what was the connection because, like, were how is the ghoul targeting like these specific families? Like what exactly is, is happening, but you don't find all that out until the end. So Mm -hmm. I was only super interested because I wanted to know what happened at the end. And then 
you know, you get the unhappy ending, which I like those kinds of movies. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay, that sure. having that ending kind of upped the the rating for me. And I think mm-hmm. if it would have gone differently, I would have not liked it as much because mm-hmm. uh, it was, like I said, just a very slow burn. But when it wraps up, it's all great. The very first scene. Uh, out the gate with the the family suicide on the tree engaged right away so I enjoyed uh, that at the top Uh, I liked in the moments where he was first watching the first couple of tapes and right before Mm -hmm. the acts of violence happened it would pan to his glasses and you would see them through the lens of his Mm -hmm. like the reflection of his glasses and I thought that was a really cool shot Uh, so I really enjoyed that I like the the theme of just like pressure for continued success, you know, in general and how it can kind of not only affect your family, like aside from your family, but if you are just someone in the in a creative space and you're trying to top yourself, um, how it can kind of affect not only your moral compass, but like your creativity, because then it's not about like putting art out there because you enjoy it. It's like putting it out there because you're trying to see what sticks in order for you to make money, you know, and, mm-hmm. and have the fame and stuff. And so um, I did like that theme overall. I don't know if it was a TV that I was watching it on, but everything was very dark. So a lot oh. of the jump scares didn't come through as well for me because mm-hmm. the whole screen just felt dark, but it might've just been the TV that I was on. So I, Oh no, I think that that's, I, I, I forgot that I wrote down, like it's so dark in okay, this movie great. and like, why didn't he turn on lights? And there's a part where they later say like, Oh, the power went out. Yeah. But like, how are you supposed to know that? Right. Yeah. It seemed like a throwaway, yes. but, it, but it is truly very dark at parts in this movie. It's really okay. hard to see. Yeah. Which is going back to my other point about like the sound and the jump scares. Cause I couldn't see what was happening, but then a loud bang would happen, and that's what made me jump. Not necessarily, like, what I saw, because sometimes I couldn't see the thing. So thank you for validating that for me, Jamie. Great, great. Um, (laughs) I also put good on them, like I said, to uh, knowing when to leave the house before it got, like, super crazy, even though we didn't know that it was already crazy because you already watched the Mm -hmm. tapes. But I was happy that they made the decision to actually leave the house because sometimes that does not happen. Also, yeah. they went back to their old house. Y'all, that house is gorgeous. Why would they ever leave that I house? Know. That's what Jamie said. That's exactly oh what Jamie God. said. It's so Jeez. nice. That office was huge. Huge. I said, y'all went from that to this. I mean, I know you had to go to that specific house because that's where, like, the, the murders happened. But, mm-hmm. my God, could you just, like, yeah. go there for the weekend or something? Like, and go back <laughs> to your own house. That mm-hmm. was, like, that's not a good people moment. Who would ever leave that house? Anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so just to make sure that, and this is my last thing, just to make sure I understand what exactly ha- happened. So, like, the first murder happened in, like, the 60s or whatever, whatever, okay? Like, Bagul somehow got a child and the child mm-hmm. killed the family, right? And it's recorded, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay, somebody, mm-hmm. and so that family is gone. Somebody moves into that house find Mm -hmm. the tapes or the super eight or whatever watches it that unleashes the ghoul to possess another child within that family and that kills and then that child kills the person or like i'm just trying to figure out like how how it's moving from place to place so like if spooky things start happening because they watch the tape or whatever or find out that somebody died in the house and so they move right 
But they already, like, watched the tape, so that means they're already cursed. So even though they move to another house, they're dying in that house. Is that correct? Yeah. They die in the new house. In the new house. Okay. Yeah. That's why if they had stayed in that house, they may not have died, but they would have been haunted and what like that. So they move. Okay. Um... And then when somebody moves into the house they moved into, it like it like that's how it spreads, I guess. Um, right, Jamie? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you get I the really wolf. have no idea. Like I, I I guess I never really thought I haven't I never gave too much thought into like the rules of it all because mm. I also was like nobody else would find like who else would look at these tapes? Um, I just assume that like, yeah. there are different ways for the, the, the main child to, um, to, to get possessed. Oh, actually. Oh, I think I never thought about it because <laughs> I'm trying to remember. So I've seen the sequel as well. Oh, I've seen I have Sinister not seen 2. Sequel? I have not and seen I, Sinister And two. it makes me think that like they give some, there is a sequel it's definitely not as good, in my opinion, as the first okay. one. But the deputy does return. That's like the the consistent Cute. character. Um, but I feel like they, I feel like there is some explanation as to like how this starts. So I'm not okay. gonna like say any spoilers. But I think okay. that's part of why I just like never really thought about it because like there's they kind of like deepen the lore a little bit in the um, second one but yeah okay. i just i i never really thought about like what the yeah i just never thought about the rules and thought about like the situation is so unique that anybody would like be like how many of these people are finding these super eights and then realizing that that this stuff is happening and then that that is like what's unleashing this yeah this creature i think that yeah. by moving by moving i'm just thinking this out loud by moving yes. That allows for the same... It's not the same house over and over again so right. that people won't move in there. It's like, okay, we moved. They died in house number two. Someone moves into house number two, mm-hmm. then moves to house number three. They're killed at three. Someone moves into three, gets spooked, moves to four, gets yeah. killed in four. I think that's that's how it works. Okay. That makes sense. So, like, they're getting spooked somehow, whether it's the tapes or whatever and moving and but then yes. they are get killed in the other house. Okay. Truly, sure. cuz I was trying to put the puzzle pieces <laughs> together as as I was watching it just like Ethan Hawke like what exactly is happening? I need more of a connection. But and all, all that to say like not I didn't need to know all the answers to enjoy it. Like yeah, I still yeah. in, enjoyed it, but and it, it gave me enough information at the end to where I was like, "Oh, okay." But I just wanted to uh, do a, a live cap of your thoughts uh, on mm-hmm. on the rules of that because I was like, mm, I don't know. So maybe I'll just watch Sinister 2 and then I'll have all my answers. That's, and be that's happy. why we have a podcast. We got to talk out the gabagool, the gabagool of it all. Exactly. Great. Yeah. That's all of uh, my likes and gripes. Brian? Sure. Um, I'll go through these quickly because a lot of it overlaps with the two of you just said. I really mm-hmm. like this movie. Um, as I mentioned, I don't think it holds up as well on a second viewing. Um mm-hmm. But again, that's just me. Um, I think that the w- found footage was so popular at the time and still is. Mm. I love the integration of found footage into a narrative. 
Um, like, I think that was super cool and clever. I like the opening. This movie really starts very quickly. He finds the box very quickly early on. Um, the videos themselves, as Jamie said, are just like individual kind of masterpieces in their own way of sound and images. Um, Ethan Hawke is truly a great actor. Like, Mm -hmm. I think he balances Ellison being a jerk, but also being watchable really, really well. Um, I think this is Scott Derrickson's best, like, of the Scott Derrickson movies I've seen, I think this one is his best. Um, Nice. But I I mean, I guess he loves dead kids. Um, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Um, That's uh, that's crazy. um, uh, I love a movie with a good kid reveals they've seen something. So when she's mm-hmm. drawing on the walls and like talking about like her room and stuff like that, I think that's great. I think it also is a great moment because it doubles as being spooky, but but it doubles as being spooky and the wife catching him in the lie that this yes. is the house. Um, I thought that their argument was real, really authentic. Um, I think the I think the two of them really ground this movie, the parents, really well in general. Yeah. Um, and the the jump scares are great. Um, specifically, mm-hmm. my two favorites are the lawnmower. I love Bagul moving in the paused video. Yeah, in the video. Uh huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. when he's like going down, like tie a shoe or check something, and it moves. <laughs> I think that that is like. I think that's. I think that's wonderful. I think it's mm-hmm. like that's like don't get bagooled. Um, don't get bagooled. Um, oh, I was thinking, don't wake daddy. Oh, don't get bagooled. <laughs> Oh, it yeah, kind of sounds like time warp. <laughs> don't get a gold in this house. Don't get a gold in this house. Hey, you gonna try the bagabagool? I, I love this movie now. <laughs> oh god. Um. Mm-hmm. All right. So my gripes. Um. Bad partner. We talked about this. He's a monster yes. person. Um. Doesn't kiss his kids goodnight <laughs> when asked. Rude. Bad father. Um, Rude. The thing is, the wife also says she doesn't want to know, and he still lies to her at the very beginning. Like, mm. like he goes out of his way to tell a lie. Even she's like, you know what? Don't even tell me. Like, right? That, like, it's like that. That it, that means he knows he did something wrong. He's feeling guilty, so he lies about it just to misdirect. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. The yeah, I don't. The the kids didn't do it for me the second time through. This time, like. The, the spooky kids. Um, they just felt weird and silly and fake. Um, uh, yeah, he handles all situations poorly. Like, he leaves the bat in the backyard. Like, come on, bro. Yes. Like, that, yeah. Oh, uh, slow motion kids did not read well to me. Like, the little kids, like, slow motion around him while oh, he's... Oh, yeah. Mm. That's, like, I, I don't think that part is spooky at all. No. No. No, I had to. I had to read up on that one. I'm slow. Yeah, <laughs> not for me. Um, my question for you all is how would how would you rank Bagul? <laughs> like in the in the scheme of like horror monsters and ghosts and goblins <clears throat> and ghouls, how would you write Bagabagul? How would you rank him? You, you mean, don't have to like like high, mid, low. I say mid. Yeah, mid. Like you're using kids. It's like, okay. Yeah. But his his name is the coolest thing about him. I agree. Yes. Maybe maybe he also is like spooky Keanu Reeves with the long hair. 
But he doesn't really have a mouth. Yeah. What? Like the long, like stringy hair, like John Wick. He's like the he's like the John Wick Bugatti. He's like Baba Yaga. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, I mean, I can see it. Maybe that was Keanu Reeves. He just was an uncredited name as Bagul. Bagul. But I definitely say mid for. There's there's other great great people out mm-hmm. there, other good mm-hmm. ghosts and goblins. Yeah, who's our best ghost goblin? Goat? No, like he's actual ghost? ghost. He's like a what is he? He's an occult. Like, yeah, he's a he's a pagan. Bagul is a deity. Pagan. There we go. Yeah. Do we have any any other good deities in the? Hmm. Oh, uh, what's his face? From Hereditary, who we got again oh, recently. Oh, um, um, yes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> what is his name? Uh, pa- Payman. 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 Yes. Payman. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh. Uh. I don't know if this counts. He's more of a demon, but uh, I love. Um, Toby from the Paranormal Activity series. Oh, oh Toby. 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 What are you getting into, Toby? Toby's a freak. Toby's a freak. Toby's, Toby, Toby's a freak because he watches people doing yeah. their doing things. things. He's, he's literally yeah. a freak in the sheets. Oh, my God. <laughs> you heard it here first, he's folks. a ghost. <laughs> Toby's a freak in the sheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he's on the oh sub, he's a subcategory because he's a demon. He's not like mm. running the yeah, show. Yeah, he's not you know like what a I mean? deity. I'm trying to think of like what other like. I know. Like like. Well, in the con no the conjurings, those are all just like demons. Yeah, those are all Demon. demons. Yeah. I mean, um, if we still are talking about demons in general, our our um, drag drag race winner. Um, Oh, from Insidious. Yeah, the the <laughs> red and black face. The red drag, face. Drag, yes, drag queen. Yes. Yeah, totally. But these are excellent, fantastic excellent answers. I, I know we're missing some some like oh, very course. big ones. No question. Mm. Um, we'll go but, back. Y'all um, tell us in on the TikToks. Yeah, give for us sure. give us your favorite <laughs> pagan deity on um. on the social medias. Uh, great. Well, if that's it for our likes and gripes, let's get into our next section, which is mm, brains. Mmm, tasty. Always. <laughs> okay, so I want to start off with this question because we, Jamie already kind of brought it up, but if you could go into detail about night terrors, because you were just talking about. Um, what could cause it potentially? Um, I know this is outside of your realm of expertise, but because night terrors are caused by some type of mental stress or trauma, can you just elaborate on that a little bit for me, please? Yeah, uh, I can elaborate that this is not my expertise, but yes. <laughs> uh, I did look it up on the good old schmoogle machine, and yes. um, it. It's they actually say that like the cause is unknown, but it's often triggered by like lap, lack of sleep or like periods of stress and conflict and tension. Mm. Um, they usually happen in the first half of the night, whereas nightmares, I think, typically happen during REM sleep. That makes um, sense. And like most common in the early morning. So like those are some of the differences. It also says that night terrors are more common in pre-adolescent boys. 
So like, again, it tracks for this movie. It says it's fairly common in children ages three to five. That's so, does it give a reason why that's the case? Mm -mm. They're just like, no, it's just common for them to just be screaming in the middle of the night. Had no responsibilities. Acceptable. I need a reason. <laughs> I need Give a, me reason. a reason. You're you're um, what adolescence. You don't have to pay rent. You don't have to deal with the housing market <laughs> or student loans. Why are you having night terrors? Great question. Yeah, just uh, sleep sleep deprivation, tiredness. Mm, okay. Schedule disruptions, fever. Um, Alrighty. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, before we, before we yes. go to your next question, some other ones I thought of, deities or gods, or I guess devils. Oh, like, I thought you were going to talk about other sleep disorders. Yeah. No. <laughs> you have Black Phillip. Tell us, Brian. You have Black Phillip. <laughs> mm-hmm. You want to live oh. deliciously. From VVH. Um, from VVH. <laughs> VVH. Um, also, I, we haven't done it on this podcast, and, and maybe we should because it's really good. Uh, the Taking of Deborah Logan. Wasn't oh. it like... Wasn't it like uh, like that that guy who was trying to become immortal was trying to call on like Native American gods or something like that to give him mm-hmm. immortality? Um, sp- mm-hmm. I guess spoiler alert for Deborah Logan. Sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> but that that's another one. That, that's all I got. I'll stop now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank thank you for thank you for your time. We should do the Taking of Deborah Logan. I love that movie. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next question uh, is maybe kind of a group discussion, but also, Jamie, your thoughts. So we it's about true crime. And so we talk a lot um, about people who watch scary movies and their studies about like people with anxiety who watch scary movies because it's like a safe danger. And so like, you know, what's going to happen or, you know, that you're safe and people just like participate in scary movies for that reason, because it's their form of kind of escapism, you know, whatever. So they're not like terrified by them. But so I would, I would like to offer up a conversation about people who like true crime because as someone who is not a super fan of true crime, because it's actually true and real, that is the thing that scares me. It's like this actually happened in our world. But there are people who are like, this is my comfort, calm down time with, you know, a glass of wine and some popcorn. Uh, so, Jamie, would you like to just elaborate on like why people might be so drawn to true crime things? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I think that's a really good question. Um, no, I mean, like, <clears throat> I I do see it as, like, kind of that similar, like, I, I think that there is something to, like, anxiety and trying to, like, control things to manage anxiety and, like, hearing mm-hmm. about things to, like, be better prepared, if you will. It's like, oh, the more information I have, like, does that then help me? Um, mm-hmm. or at least like I speaking personally in any like true crime thing that I've ever listened to in the past, like that's usually where that's driven from. But I think like that's maybe that's not the case for everybody. I yeah. also think that like there is this morbid curiosity in, in like horrible things. Um, Just especially like why people things, do the things they do. Yeah. And like the, what this, what the things are, um, Mm. you know, like more recently there was, it wasn't even like true crime. It was like a, like a TV show, um, 
on Netflix, like the Dahmer TV show, which I didn't oh, watch. Oh, I didn't watch that. But there was that. like mm-hmm. this huge, Same. like this really, what I would say is like this intense following of it where like people were like super into it. And I think that's where it's like this weird, fascin- not weird, but like this fascination with, you know, like these topics that are morbid and like creepy. Yeah. Well, taking it one step further, people are obsessed with this Long Island serial killer, like, right in their backyard, you know, Mm. like, Mm -hmm. happening in the news right now. Yeah. Mm. I didn't know about that one. I didn't either. Oi. (laughs) I mean, and it's it's one thing, like, to your point, Jamie, I understand that some people want to be prepared um, or just in the know of things that have happened, you know, just to, you know, help themselves not try not to get into those kinds of situations. So it is maybe kind of a form of controlling, you know, your surroundings, your atmosphere, but it's still, it's, are you guys true crime people? Do you like true crime more? Like, would you rather listen to a true crime or doc or pod or a scary movie? I would prefer a scary movie. However, I do, I have dabbled in, in podcasts. Um, but I think that I've gotten, like, I don't really watch them, so mm-hmm. I've listened to, like, some podcasts on them. But now I kind of feel weird and gross about listening to a lot of the podcasts about them, and I've mm-hmm. kind of distanced myself with, like, the only exception that I listen to is, um, like, the uh, True Crime Obsessed, partially because, like, they're they're Broadway people, um, mm. partially because they they cover more than just true crime. They cover like all documentaries. Like today, okay, today they released uh, an episode on a documentary about Pornhub that was like really interesting. Mm. Um, but like they talk about like all like it's not like true crime. Yes, I think largely is focused on like homicide and murders and suicide and things like that. But there are other like crimes that are happening that are also featured in documentaries mm-hmm. that maybe oh, like, fair. you know, I don't, I don't know how much attention people place in that, but like, yes. so I like listening to this podcast because it, it feels further removed. Like they are talking about the documentary that they watched yeah. and like their experience and explaining it. And so like, they're not just talking about the event itself. It feels like, it feels like a box in a box in a box. I'm listening to them having talked about a documentary that they watched that's about the actual event. It like yes. feels like it's a step removed. But I, I do – the other part that I like about it is like actually being informed about like people's lives and like that these are real people. Like that these yeah. are real victims of horrible things and like they deserve to be known they did like they deserve to be remembered um like those are the things like I think about it from that perspective Mm -hmm. less and because they don't glorify any of the like icky stuff and 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 they really like if something is truly like graphic and awful like they will skip over it um because they're trying to do it in what I feel like is a respectful way like that's how they frame it and like I like that versus like you know I I will like I absolutely admit that like the first true crime podcast I listened to I listened to my favorite murder for like a hot minute Mm -hmm. and then I kind of was like I don't think this is for me um 
because I think there's also like a lot of like backlash now in in some of these true crime podcasts and how they present this material. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's like something connected to like, you know, I'm an anxious person and like I want to know all the dangers that are lurking around me. Yes. Um, but like I don't th- then it. it it makes me feel like safer in a way, like it takes away that degree of vulnerability because like the world itself is scary constantly all around me all the time. So it's like, well, at least I know like here's something, even though like, again, it's not on me to have to always like do all this stuff. Like other people just shouldn't do bad things. Well, of course, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's the main thing. Don't do bad that was things. My, that was my parlor talk. Sorry, I yes. really went on a parlor talk about true crime podcasts. Come sit, have a drink. It's parlor talk. <laughs> which can be, I mean, which can be great. Like I listen to more the morbid podcast sometimes on because I have long drives and mm. but mostly the reason why I listen to it is I, I enjoy the dynamic of the two hosts, but it's so scary and creepy it keeps me awake for the mm. long drives. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But then I, I sit with that for a long time. So then it's like, okay, I gotta find something else that'll keep yeah. me awake because it's too much. And I forgot to mention this earlier, but y'all, I watched the last call documentary on max that's about the murders that happened in the new york area in the 90s of um gay people and Mm -hmm. to your point jamie about how things are presented and not glorifying like the icky stuff the people who were talking about were really trying to um not talk about the killer but talk Mm -hmm. about the victims and like Mm. how much they were um an important part of like the gay community in the eighties and nineties and with everything that was happening, it still was very graphic because you have the police officers like telling you everything that happened in it. Yeah. But all that to say it's, it, it, it is something that if you don't want to hear about all that icky stuff, it just keeps reminds me of the, of the sound that was going around on TikTok or Instagram. That's like her legs were cut off. Her head was cut off. Her arms were cut off. (laughs) You know, have you heard that sound? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Where it's like what they think I'm listening to. And it's like, like cutesy, upbeat music. And it's like what I'm actually listening to. Like her head was cut off. Her legs were cut off. Her arms were cut off. Right. And you're like doing something super chill, like washing the dishes or like whatever. Yes. God. Yeah. Brian, do you Mm -hmm. like true crime? Are you a true crime person? Um, I don't seek it out. Okay. I will watch or listen to it when it's gotten good reviews and people are talking about it. Like, that's fair. I, I, I like I listened to Dr. Death and I've listened to Serial mm, mm. and S Town and all the other stuff. Um, like I've watched what's the what's the movie like Dear Zachary or whatever it is. Zachariah. Oh, I don't know that. Um, that movie will fuck you up. Don't need um, it. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I've watched movies like that. Listen to podcasts like that. Um, um, but I, I like I didn't watch Dahmer or anything like that. But I do like. I, but I like things like, you know, um, like Zodiac or or I like the movies about them and, and the more artful kind of depictions of them. Um, mm. But I, I don't I don't I don't I don't l- love the true crime stuff. I do love um, Only Murders in the Building. Um, mm. I've never watched that. Very, very it's fun. It's funny. Yeah. Um, OK. But yeah, I don't. Put on my list. I, you know, I get my. I don't know. I think that people are obsessed with death and because they don't mm-hmm. know it, but death is the big mm. question. That's why religion exists because we don't understand death. Mm-hmm. Like, 
And and um, what a great I, sentence. <laughs> and I think that like because you know, in order to understand d- death, you need to like make meaning, and meaning can mm-hmm. be religion for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, what's and, and you know and, and then and then branch from that becomes community and stuff like that. But the bottom line is like. You just don't understand where we came from or where we go, so we have to create something to help explain that. And I think Mm -hmm. that people are drawn to the true crime stuff because of because of that obsession and that Mm -hmm. that morbid curiosity. And like, I also think that people like to try and think that they understand what other people are going through. I think there's a there's an empathy there. There's also, mm-hmm. you know, a nosy neighbor type of thing. We're all nosy neighbors. We're, yeah, you know, yeah, like for there's sure. There's absolutely a piece of that. Um, there's, um, I don't, did you, did you, this is so random, but did you watch Jessica Jones on Netflix? No, I haven't. Okay, so this there's this character who, Mr. Purple, who basically can, like, get anybody to do anything. And... Mm-hmm. There's a scene where we find out that somebody's family died in a car accident. I think it was Jessica's family. I don't remember. Um, But died in a car accident. And um, the neighbor who still lives there when they go back to her childhood home was like, you know, I got a bad feeling that morning. Like, you know, like saying all the things that like, you know, um, like like I I knew something was going to happen. I got a bad feeling. And then Mr. Purple basically goes up to her and says like, like basically makes her tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember. I'm paraphrasing this, but it stuck with me. And she said something defective like, oh, I didn't know. I just like wanted to feel included in the tragedy or something like that. Uh, like, like, and, uh-huh. and to me, that just rang so true that, like, we we listen to these things and we try to empathize with people and we make it about ourselves and mm. how we can be involved in it. And I do it all the time. I know a lot of people do it all the time. And I, I, I recognize that. And I try to separate myself from that as much as I can and recognize it. But, like, mm-hmm. that's what humans do. Like, yeah. and, and I think that's that's a lot of what true crime is. Oh, I did watch The Jinx and I loved The, drink, the Jinx. On mm. HBO. I don't think, ah, um, I've never heard of that. But yeah, but I, I like, I, I actually prefer things that are based on true stories and then going to Wikipedia and reading about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, just like, give me The Conjuring and let me look up Ed and Lorraine and, right, like give me all, the f- and what the Annabelle looked like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 50-50 on it. I don't seek it out, but I will listen to it if it's highly regarded. Okay, that's fair. Sorry, that was also a little bit of a rant, but yeah. No, but I mean that's all. It's all great things, uh, and just like an insight on on how we view why people might you know attach themselves to one or the other. But that being said, Jamie and I love found footage movies, which is this okay. interesting combination of like fictionalized true crime. Yes. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I like the fictionalized aspect of like we found this footage. We know it's not real, but like it could have been. Like mm-hmm. whenever Jamie and I are deciding like what movie we should watch, like if it's not a brand new movie that we were interested in watching, we tend to lean towards found footage movies. Like nice. a couple of months ago, I would say, or I, I can check my uh, letterbox. Follow me, BP five two seven. We watched like a ton of found footage in a row. We just like got into it. We watched um, Horror in the High Desert. We watched Willow Creek. We watched the mm. Poughkeepsie tapes. We watched um, what was it? Affliction or something like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, was the uh, vampire one. Yeah, the Outwaters, which we didn't like, but like we it was still mm-hmm. we watched it because it was found footage. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, like, w- w- and I, I I think that ties somehow that ties into it that ties into this <clears throat> movie Sinister, where he's mm-hmm. essentially watching like found footage snuff films. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's I I like the fictionalized aspect of this is real. Right. Deborah Logan. Because- yeah, I was just going to say, because we need to do Deborah Logan, because that fits, it checks all the boxes. But yeah. also, it's still fictionalized, even though it's, mm-hmm. you know, so it's still a sense of, like, this is not real. It's still fake, even though it looks like it's supposed to be something that's real. Also, I don't have patience for a lot of true crime, because so much of it is filler. Because oh, they, cause, yes. You know, like, like, that's why I like the narrative, because the narrative doesn't have the filler. They're just creating a story, middle be, beginning, middle, end. Um, and yeah. where you'll watch some of those, like, documentaries or things, and it's just like, you've it repeated stretches. the same information. Yeah, and, and, and I get that, but, like, it is what it is. Well, I will say the doc, Last Call on Max, it, the, it just aired, it's only four parts, and it just aired its fourth part on Sunday, mm-hmm. is, was very good in just getting to the information. You still don't find out exactly like who the killer is and all this stuff until the end of the third episode and then all into the fourth episode. But it didn't feel like a lot of filler because there are, mm. there are a yeah. lot of stuff that is just kind of... And then I hate the ones where they go through the whole thing and they're like, we don't know what happened. And it's like, oh my yeah. God, you don't even have an answer mm-hmm. for me. I wasted so much time mm-hmm. on this. <laughs> also, the movie I was talking about before is called Dear Zachary, A Letter to a oh. Son About His Father. Um, oh, yeah. Only if you want to be utterly destroyed and never, and never be able <laughs> to recover should you watch this film. It's a documentary. <laughs> Listen, I already watched Terrifier, and that did me in. I'm good for the <laughs> rest. I still need to watch. We can need to do those. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I do, don't think I could ever watch that ever again. That was so much. <laughs> but I still haven't watched the second one, so if we want to do the second one, down. Mm. Uh, great. So one last question, um, because we've all been parlor talking, which I absolutely love. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about, since we were bringing it up, like Ethan Hawke as a father – and, you know, trying to balance having a career with his life. I know that we, like, said that he is a duty head, but <laughs> I just would like to go into detail about how it can affect your relationship when one, per- when one partner drops everything, like, for the other partner's career. And that kind of happened in, what was the last movie we all watched? Um, oh, my gosh. Was it Insidious? Red Door, when they moved it, because she was she wanted to do music and yeah, yeah. it was insidious. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Jamie, can you just talk about how that can affect their relationship and you know trying to balance having a success a successful career with you know taking care of your family and like is or is he just like a poor manager of all of the above? Like he's not doing well on all fronts. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's like a really complicated situation because like, you know, obviously I I think for a relationship to like still be really strong in the face of that, like they're, they have to be on the same page and like communicate about that. Um, because I think that it definitely can, you know, take a toll on the partner who maybe like is kind of putting their stuff on the back burner in order for, 
their partner to succeed in whatever they're like agreeing to. Yeah. Um, I think that like, you know, a lot of open communication should be a part of it just to like keep checking in with one another to make sure that they're both still on the same page. I think without that, there can be a lot of resentment that builds. Um, and like that can ultimately like get in the way of the relationship really working. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, I also think that like in this particular situation, it just doesn't seem as if like Ethan, like Ellison's character is, there's a comment that his wife makes about like all the cops hating them yes. in like other places that they've lived in. And it's like, he doesn't seem to be doing anything to make this any easier for his partner mm -hmm. or his family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, yes, it's, it's, it's one thing if you're like, this is something I really want and I want you here with me. And like, this is the only way that we can get this done. But like, are there still things that you can do to like, not be the worst person yeah, of all time. Right, yes. Like right. that's, that's where I think it's the, it's problematic because like, it's one thing, like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with the idea of them moving in order for him to follow the story to write about because like, he's a good true crime writer and like, this mm -hmm. is what he really wants to do. What I do think is a problem is like lying to your entire family about it, like putting them in positions that like do make them unsafe or like treated poorly by other people in the town and the police and like every like all of that stuff I feel like can be dealt with in a much different way. Absolutely. But, but he's not he just got the yes from his partner, so he's like no holds bars is like doing whatever he wants essentially. And like, yeah. that's what I feel like is problematic for their relationship aside from the fact that then they get murdered. But I feel like, you know, that's where that communication is super important so that like you can still be on the same page mm -hmm. and, and like, yeah. And, and do whatever you can to like make the situation work for everybody, even if it's not the ideal situation. Yeah. But that's a great point. He definitely isn't doing anything to kind of ease yeah. her burden throughout the whole the whole movie. He's just like, yeah. and like tunnel vision. Yeah. And, and like I think also, you know, there are conversations around like finances that come into play. Like yes. is the expectation then that like like we don't really know what they're doing for for money. Like uh, I think we're to assume that he pivoted to uh, like writing academic textbooks, which he hated, but yes. like that was how they were making an income. So if he's not doing that anymore, like how are they now making money? What right. is, is she now like the breadwinner? Cause he's just doing research for this book. So like unclear, I mean, he might still be getting some like residuals from having written these textbooks, but like, I don't really know how, writing books work so right. know, come at me in the comments or whatever but uh but yeah like how like those are part of the conversations that like we're assuming they had to have had and I and I think that that that's part of like what is healthy and effective in whatever the the goal is like you know even me pursuing pursuing my own therapy business is something that I've talked to Brian about like extensively mm -hmm. because like it affects the both of us like we're we're a partnership and so like I want to know that he supports me in like you know business decisions that I'm making like financial business decisions that I'm making because 
it impacts the both of us. And like having his support and talking through all of that stuff both makes me feel like he has my back. And Mm -hmm. and I hope that that also makes him know that like I, I trust him and like I, you know, want him to be a part of these things because like it is affecting both of us, even though it's exactly my business, but like it affects the both of us. So like those are the things that I think about in like these types of situations in movies and TV shows where it's like, hopefully they're having those same kind of conversations. Cause if they're not like, it's going to cause a lot of conflict in their relationship. Right. Thesis statement, marry a therapist. Bam. Communication skills. (laughs) (laughs) Out of 10. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Jamie. Uh, Great. Would we like to go to Rotten Tomatoes? Let's do Rotten Tomato. Rotten Tomato. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. What do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, I'm going to say 85. Okay, Jamie? (laughs) This is me being a skeleton. Um, I'm going to say 87. This has a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. Okay. And the audience score is a 62. Whoa. That's so wild. Um, the critics' consensus is its plot hinges on typically implausible horror movie behavior and recycles countless genre cliches, but Sinister delivers a surprising number of fresh diabolical twists. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Actually, in the You Might Also Like, um, Mama comes up. Oh. Oh. Yeah, interesting. Nice. Fascinating. Um, Cool. Uh, Should we do the four S's? Yes. Yeses. Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horror's four S's. (laughs) Okay, the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. We are going to rank each one of these, one through ten. Suggestions is separate from that. But skulls is how well does it handle mental health human behavior. Scares is how scary is it. Shakes is, you know, how much will this stick with you? And then we'll give suggestions. But, Jamie, why don't you start with your numbers, one through ten, for skulls, scares, and shakes? Sure. Um, For skulls, I put a four because I... I just have a hard time believing that someone could be this awful, but maybe that's because I view the best in people. Um, (laughs) But it's just like, I just, how do you not have this conversation? How does she also just like not look like knowing what he's going, even though she doesn't know exactly what happened, she knows where they are moving to. And like, she's not dumb from an amazing house. Yes, from an amazing house. Look it up. There is this littlest amount of Googling that can can happen, and I'm shocked that she doesn't do that. Like, that just doesn't seem real. Sure. Um, And then I also just feel like him, he's just doing, like, the typical white person in a horror movie thing where he's exploring everything. And, like, no, that's a no from me. I am (laughs) not doing that ever. (laughs) Um, So, like, those are the things where I'm like, that doesn't seem real. Mm Mm-hmm. However, for scares, I'm giving this a five. This, like, especially, like, remembering the first watch, like, it really, 
it really scared me. It like the jump scares were totally effective to me. Um, the lawnmower scene, the sound design in this, like all of that really adds to like it being a, a pretty scary movie for me. Um, for shakes, I'm giving it a six. So my scores are four five, six. Um, I, there are things that I like, don't always remember like the order of things in this movie, but I do still remember, like there are things that land with me about this and like, it is memorable. And yeah, I, I think it's like a, a pretty solid horror film. Cool. Nice. Nikisha. Um, skulls. I'm going to give this a five because I got out of the house and that doesn't always happen in horror movies. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a, a, a five. Well, yes. I also think we didn't really talk. We talked about it a little bit, but the trope that people don't leave the house and die in the house, but they left the house and died in the other house because that was what <laughs> Bagul wanted them to do is kind of super mm. clever. Yes, absolutely. I agree. That's a great point. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll stick with my five. I think that's yeah. it's, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Scares, it was a two for me, maybe because, again, it was dark, but I did jump, but it was mostly because of the sounds, not what I saw. Mm. Sure. Um. And then Shakes, I'll give it a six because of the ending. Like, I will remember, you know, the unhappy ending that, yeah. that this was. So six for me. Cool. I'm also giving this a five for Skulls. Um, I'm giving this a seven for Scares. Um, I think this is pretty <laughs> scary. Um, the jump scares especially. I'm not as creeped out by this movie as much as I used to be. Um, on, but, um, but definitely that. And Shakes, I'll give this a seven. This I feel like this is I feel like if there was a horror starter pack, this would be in the contemporary ones. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think I that, that like if you're going classics, you're going like 80s, then you're going like, um, you know, like 90s and then you're doing like more 2000s and on <coughs> and contemporary like this would absolutely like be in that time capsule of horror, in my opinion. So I would give that a seven mm. for that reason. Yeah. Um, and then my suggestion is Insidious. Work. It's from the same generation as far as I'm concerned. I always think about in sinister, (laughs) insidious and sinister kind of in the same in this. I prefer insidious to this one. I think both Mm. both have awful husbands um, who were played by likable actors. Um, (laughs) And uh, and so, yeah, that's and, and both move, both actually move. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, and but I think one has a more of a sense of humor about what it's doing than the other one, and I think they're both equally scary. Um, I I would easily put Sinister and Insidious in a two pack. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be a good two pack. Um, I looked up like horror movies about book writing. <laughs> hmm. uh-huh. So and and even in watching this, I was thinking for some reason like The Ring, which was on a list of like writing horror movies but then some others on the list were misery and i was like duh of course Mm -hmm. yes and then hush which i absolutely love yeah yeah. i forgot she was writing a book when that intruder came in and the shining and yes and i yes we just did the shining so i didn't want to put that on there but that was like number one on all the list yeah yeah, sure. sure yeah that's all for me for suggestions jamie i Went with uh, another movie that has like some weird spooker, spooker, spooker natural is what I was gonna say. Well, super I love natural, spooker natural, spooker natural. Yeah. Oh man, that yes. is an excellent <laughs> word. 
Yes. Spooker I was natural. an accident when my brain short-circuited. Love it. Um, <laughs> another supernatural entity, I went with the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. That's good. Fantastical. Well, I think these are all really great suggestions. Okay, so I think this wraps up our episode of The Sinister. Look at little Teddy. Hey, just chilling. Scared me. (laughs) (laughs) Popping out of nowhere. Uh, Great. So you can follow us on the Instagram. We got Begold by Ted. We did get Begold. Begold. Ted. (laughs) Um. What are we on? Oh, X. I was trying not to say Twitter because it's not Twitter no, anymore. No, say it's, Twitter. Okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok especially. Follow us at TalkHorrorPod, P-O-D. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us wherever you get podcasts. Um, you can listen to us on Spotify and, of course, uh, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And um, thank, thank you. you. I mean, I don't know what uh, any other way to sign off with than Bagul, but also, like, you got to sing the song that you made up, Jamie. Oh, I don't remember when I made that, but <laughs> I was going to go, Bagul! <laughs> You got begold. <laughs> you got begold. Oh, yeah. uh, what was it? Don't get begold. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't wake daddy. Don't get begold. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't get begold. 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 That jump scare will never work for me ever again because I will only hear begul. Nikisha go begold. <laughs> Absolutely. Begul. Thanks, guys. Begul. Bye, begold. Begold. <laughs> Is that our new sign-off from every episode now? Bagul! Bagul. Yes. Bagul. Bagul.